0: Hello everyone and welcome to HR Works COVID 19 update. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This uh, this podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. These little episodes have a focus on employment law, and so today we're going to discuss the FFCRA. It's been in effect for some time. And here to discuss what has happened with the law over the last few months, what kinds of Lawsuits are arising since then is Maggie Spell. She's been with us before. She's a partner at the New Orleans location of Jones Walker. Maggie focuses her practice on cases brought under federal, state, and local employment laws, including the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. The Americans with Disabilities Act and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act. She regularly offers wage and hour compliance advice and has represented employers in numerous fair labor standard act collective actions and state law wage and hour class actions. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Maggie.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me back, Jim.
0: Absolutely. If possible, can we talk a little bit more about the um, these lawsuits that are popping up? Are, what else are you seeing, if anything?
1: Sure. So the the example I gave um, earlier was just kind of a pretty classic basic example. Um, another one that we're starting to see is essentially where um, employers either intentionally or accidentally aren't tracking uh, why somebody's out of work, for example, at um, was reading a complaint that was filed where uh the employee alleged that her employment was terminated because she was essentially out sick under medical quarantine um mm. and the employer's documentation showed that she was absent from work for a total of 16 days over a period of about four months um so it sounds like and i, I obviously we're just talking about the complaint at this point so we don't necessarily have the employer's perspective. I'm guessing that the employer was just applying its regular attendance policy and, and mm. he had reached some sort of time to go. Um, the plaintiff, though, came back and in her lawsuit alleges that most of those absences were protected. Uh, she points to about a nine or a 10 day period, for example, where she claims she was ill with COVID like symptoms and told to quarantine. Um, and then back in April, she, she said she missed five days of work because her child's daycare was closed. She also claimed that her employer failed to post the required information about the FFCRA. Um, so people are hearing it, you know, whether it's them actually knowing it or them going to an attorney and saying, "I got fired for X, Y, and Z, and the attorney saying, did your employer post this? Did you see it anywhere? I don't know, but it's, it is cropping up. Um, can't imagine that there's really a, a, a civil remedy for that, but it at least is, um, you know, kind of just fodder for the, the claim. Um, but obviously that one just boils down to a contention that her employer, uh, but failed to pay her for the leave and then terminated her employment unfairly because she took leave rather than actually having, uh, I guess, Unrelated absences. So I think that that tracking piece is going to be really important too.
0: Yeah, I mean the way they put it, you know, 16 days within four month period makes it sound like it's all spread out,
1: <laughs> right. which
0: would make it sound like it's not someone quarantining themselves.
1: And and yeah. look, we don't know. Maybe maybe everything she says, you know, is is just her version of the facts, and and only time will tell. Um, but these are just kind of warning signals for potentially what's coming for employers.
0: We talked a little bit before we started recording, and you mentioned that you were seeing you were seeing this retaliation stuff, but you weren't maybe seeing a lot of people talking about it, and that concerned you. Can you talk about that a little bit more?
1: Sure. Um, I think we can all agree at this point that there have been a number of topics um, coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic that. That we're seeing, literally everywhere. Um, you know the the articles written by every single person under the sun, myself included, about <laughs> um, you know what to what to do when an employee tests positive, um, how to how to safely uh, return employees to work, um, and then as time has gone on, we've we've shifted more toward you know the discrimination pieces, um, or the, the timekeeping issues that we talked about the last time, Jim. And, and this piece, I just really haven't seen a ton out there. I mean, everybody knows they're supposed to pay, assuming that the FFCRA applies to them, of course, um, that they're supposed to pay this paid sick leave. And while while I've certainly, you know, heard people saying pay the paid sick leave, I just haven't seen a ton out there on, um, you know, kind of reminding employers to, to train their managers and supervisors on the what not to do piece, um, the, the how to prevent a retaliation claim piece. And just given that those retaliation cases are kind of outpacing even the underlying claims. I mean, we're seeing cases where it's just a retaliation claim because the person was paid for the sick leave, but they were still fired or or furloughed or whatever the case may be because they asked for the leave. Um, right. So it's... it's uh, retaliation cases always personally make me nervous because they can live on, you know, beyond the original claim. So to some extent I've always found them just to be a little bit more dangerous um, because you don't have to have, you know, some, some other basis, it's just protected activity. Um, And, you know, they, obviously they have to show a causal connection, but it just, it's always a little, a little bit um, not daunting necessarily, but They can they can crop up kind of out of nowhere um, unexpectedly. And and especially here where there's there doesn't have to be any sort of warning.
0: One of the things that we mention somewhat often, but is always a good reminder, um, is that even if you win as an employer, win your lawsuit, you still had to spend all that money defending yourself you know, spend all the time preparing, maybe I had to hire counsel. It costs you no matter what. So it's best just to prevent it from happening in the first place.
1: Uh, Of course. Um, And I say that as someone who I guess would be putting myself out of work. But yes, um, (laughs) you know, the, the compliance piece is such a huge part, especially for HR professionals um, that's, you know, the primary piece of your job. I, I would certainly always rather help somebody on the front end, make sure that they're doing things properly, than have to defend them in a lawsuit. Um, the compliance piece, so many people think I'm not going to call a lawyer to ask this question because it's going to cost me, but it's going to cost you so much more <laughs> if you guess and you do it wrong. Um, yep. so it, it never hurts to, to make sure.
0: I always like to refer to compliance as lawsuit armor. I like that. When I first started working here, I had to explain to all my friends and family what I was doing, and you know, I'd say, "Oh, I work at a compliance company," and they say, "I don't know what on earth you're talking about." And uh, that's what I came up with: yeah. Laws- lawsuit armor. That's I like what we that. sell. Lawsuit armor. <laughs> I just call
1: myself a problem solver, so I understand.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, it seems like a really good motivator for getting your managers and supervisors to pay attention to this is the is reminding them that they can be held personally accountable. Of course, you know, I think it's, you know, and I'm guilty of it, too. But you kind of get a sense that like, well, whatever you do wrong, like your company is going to pay for it, not you, you know, how could you be held accountable, which I think is the case in a lot of cases, but
1: under a lot of laws, that's certainly the case. Um, but under the FLSA and, and now this particular arm of the FFCRA, of course, they can be held liable. Um, they can be sued. And, and nobody wants to have to go home and say, hey, guess what happened today at work? I got personally sued for um, <laughs> you know, telling, telling Joe, no, he couldn't go home <laughs> or no, he wouldn't get paid for his, his time out um taking care of his kid while the daycare was closed
0: yeah and that's the other thing i think is really important for employers to remember is that the landscape is very different now there's a lot of things about the coronavirus that give people an extra incentive to protect themselves the uncertainty of it all you know if you lose this job you might not get another one people are going to fight extra hard to make sure that they're given what they're owed and and if they do get let go, remember, they have nothing but time to put that together.
1: Whew, that is such a you really like to bring in that bleak picture. I, I know. Um, but that's, <laughs> that is exactly true. I think we talked about it the last time with respect to just the timekeeping piece. If you think employees and lawyers are going to take it easy on employers just because everybody's got it rough right now, I, I think that's foolish and short sighted. Um it, They've, they've got time. We're seeing them crop up now because, as Jim said, what else do people really have to do? Um, but these aren't going to go away. Um, they're going to keep being filed. And so I think, you know, to the extent you've got people either A, asking for that paid leave or B, complaining about not being paid the leave or or asking questions say about um, their salary, if they're a salaried employee, those need to be taken really, really, they, they always need to be taken really seriously. But these days with the, the 1000 moving parts that, that HR professionals have going right now, um, needs to just be given a little, a little more kind of sit down with the issue and, and run it to ground rather than multitasking and potentially Um, going the wrong way.
0: Well, Maggie, is there anything else that you you wanted to add before we go?
1: I think the only other thing that I would like to add, just because it's a little bit strange um, for, uh, given how much time I've spent saying um, this piece of the FFCRA links essentially to the FLSA, um, the the DOL has also brought in a, a little piece of the FMLA, with respect to the paid sick leave provisions. Um, there's a job restoration requirement that that looks mm-hmm. like the FMLA um, and like the emergency FMLA that's the other piece of the FFCRA. So to the extent that Joe goes out on leave, as we talked about, you know, because his kid's daycare is closed and he needs to stay home um, to, to care for him because he can't stay home by himself, um, there, there needs to be that position, either his position or an equivalent position for Joe when Joe says, hey, I'm ready to come back. Um, the exception to that, of course, is if Joe is part of a department where everybody was laid off uh, during the pandemic um, and he would have been laid off regardless, it's the one exception. Otherwise, that job restoration piece is, is important as well.
0: Well, thank you again, Maggie, for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Hope it's
0: helpful. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HRWorksPodcast. With any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general or just to say hello, you can always follow us on there too if you'd like. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.